What's up, independent agents? Are you driving your clients off to the carrier self-servicing platforms after the sale just to minimize your service demand? Stop doing that with the premier mobile and web agency solution, Glovebox. Now you can keep your clients in front of your agency at all times, all while delivering the carrier self-service experience that will minimize your service costs and absolutely wow your customers. On top of that, Glovebox will help you increase your cross-sales, referrals, and overall retention with an easy-to-use policyholder interface. Trust me, guys, we're using this at Portal Insurance, and this is literally happening. We are selling policies and servicing policies through our app. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today, and be sure to mention the Insurance Guys podcast for 20% off of your subscription for the life of your account. Guys, it's so cool that I can tell my clients, download the Portal app. Thanks, Glovebox. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? Man, I am the best I have ever been. It is Africa hot outside here in Mobile, (laughs) Alabama, folks. It is 732 degrees on the surface of the sun with 97% humidity here in Mobile today. But I am down here with my beautiful wife. We went out to dinner last night, and I am excited and proud to be here more so than ever before. And I think we need to start this episode off today, ladies and gentlemen, by acknowledging that I am wearing a insurance agent's T-shirt that listens to the podcast. A very now, nice T-shirt. Now, let me say this, guys. If you want to send Scott a... Or Bradley. Or Bradley, a double extra large for Scott. Remember, that's 2XL or a... Large. Large for Bradley. Schmedium. Uh, no, not Schmedium. Large. We will, if you send me an extra large, I'm going to cut the sleeves out of it and I'm going to go redneck on you. So get ready for that. But it, double extra large for Scott, large for Bradley. We will wear your agency's t shirt on a podcast. I got this t shirt. This is uh, First Insurance. I believe they're out of Louisiana. I want to say thank you to them. They sent me this, they sent me a bunch of other swag too. And uh, when I got it and opened up the box, Bradley, I looked at my wife and I said, I don't have a money green t-shirt. And I was so excited. So I am proud to be wearing this today. I'm sure they'll see it on some social media outlet. It looks like the exact same t-shirt that Johnny put the Mobile Leprechaun on. That is exactly what it looks like. But Mm -hmm. uh, I'm proud to be wearing it today. Guys, we have a lot to talk about. As you all know, the 250,000 insurance agents from around the world, the Insurance Guys podcast is the Fox News and CNN of the insurance industry. You need it. We've got it. We talk to people in the industry. Bradley talks to people every day in the industry and usually knows what's happening in the industry before the industry knows what's happening in the industry. If I was an employee for a major carrier and I didn't know what was going on, I would probably call Bradley Flowers because he could probably tell you what is going on with your carrier more than you know what is going on with your carrier. But that's, I digress. We have a unbelievable guest today, guys. Dear God in heaven, there's never been a better time to talk about what we're going to talk about today. So without further ado, Bradley, I want to give him the introduction that he has always deserved. 
He is originally from Locksburg, California, and he currently resides in San Rafael, California. He is a graduate of Loyola Marymount University College of Business, and he is the principal at Evolve MGA. He was, in 2019, named the Young Gun of the Year by Insurance Business America. Ladies and gentlemen, first-time guest on the IGP, I am humbled and honored to introduce to you Mr. Pat Costello. How are you, Pat? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. What an intro. Well, I am excited to have you here. Very, very, very overdue. Very overdue. Very overdue. And considering every company in America is now being cyber hacked, uh, what ransomware, uh, my, this is a true story, ladies and gentlemen. I am not making this up. My son comes home from school last year, uh, last fall. He goes, Dad, I can't go to school no more. I said, well, I, I know you don't want to go to school no more. He goes, no, you don't understand. I can't go to school no more because we can't use our computers no more. And I said, you've lost your damn mind. You're going to school no more. About that time, I get an email from Huntsville City Schools. They're like, dear God, do not let your kid turn their computer on. They had the entire Birmingham field office of the FBI up there. They had been popped with a ransomware, and they shut down shut down school for nearly two weeks to take care of whatever the hell happened uh, with somebody getting into the Huntsville City Schools computers, and them some bitches just shut down school for about two weeks. Pat, I was just gonna say it's it's completely wild right now. It um, is. It's the Wild West right now. <laughs> It really is. I mean, honestly, I feel like I've been saying this for the last five years, but when you look at the pandemic and you look at people working from home on personal devices from unsecured networks um, and you look at the rise of ransomware, it's crazy. I think ransomware, um, the latest stat that we got was that it increased by 800% during the pandemic in the FBI reports that they get about 4,000 complaints per day at the moment. And that's wild because the majority of the time ransomware goes unreported because there's a negative connotation uh, with getting hacked or losing people's information. So people don't want that out in the public or in the news. So ransomware is by far the most rampant hacking attack that we're seeing at the moment. And it also seems like with these major companies, when you really kind of read between the lines with the news articles related to cyber that like they're paying the ransom, but they're saying they're not paying the ransom. You know what I mean? It's like uh, with the oil and gas guys, it came out, you know, the first they were like, we ain't paying no ransom, you know, whatever. And then a few days later it was like, no, they paid the ransom. Well, <laughs> and then that's one thing too, like not to just jump in head first, but a good cyber company behind you, if I'm not mistaken, Pat, like do research on the hackers and know, okay, this particular hacker, if we pay the ransom, they'll actually give the system back. This one, if we pay it, they'll, they'll still screw it. Like, isn't that a, a that's a thing, right? A hundred percent. I think people don't realize this. It's a big misconception. So I'm glad you brought it up, Bradley, because we literally have forensic experts that have ransomware negotiation rooms. So uh, ransomware is such a business among hackers that they have literally call centers to negotiate what the ransom is actually going to be. So it's, it couldn't be more advantageous than now to have a cyber policy based on how much support you're going to receive, not only with ransomware, but any sort of hacking attack, data breach, or system failure. 
Yeah. I've got to where I tell uh, – I was talking to a mayor of a municipality a couple of weeks ago. I'd sent him some uh, some cyber, you know, just information on cyber. And I've just got to where I tell them, like, you can either call me now or you can call me later. But if you call me later, you are not going to be happy. Because what's yeah. happening with a lot of these companies, municipalities, school systems, city school systems, things like the private schools, they are waiting – until it happens, and then it happens, and they pay whatever they have to pay to get all their information back, and then they're calling somebody somewhere and going, hey, by the way, we need a cyber policy now. So it's bass-ackwards, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It, it totally is. And when that happens, typically makes the premium a lot higher, a lot right. harder for them to get quality cyber insurance. And then, you know, it's becomes if it becomes public information – you know, then other hackers know that there's potential vulnerabilities within that system as well. Correct. I've been telling people the market was going to get hard for cyber, you know, a long time ago because prices were so cheap. Right. Like people were undercutting left and right. And now we're seeing players just drop out constantly. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing major players like Chubb, AIG, uh, you know, Hiscox is really not even involved in cyber anymore. Uh, there's smaller players like, you know, Corvus, and cowbell that are having capacity issues. So the market's getting hard. Claims are going up. And uh, if you don't have a cyber policy, now is absolutely the time to buy. But I'm interested to hear from your guys' perspective. Have you guys been, have had clients asking about or asking about cybersecurity in general? You are hearing more of a drumbeat about cyber from businesses because just like everything else, they're seeing what's going on in the media or their local municipality's been hit, the hospital's been hit, their kids' school system shut down for two weeks. Those are all things that Mm. trigger them thinking about cyber, and therefore, because it's being talked about so much, you're getting more traction. You know, two or three years ago, you mentioned cyber, and they're like, that won't ever happen to me. I don't care about no cyber. But now it seems to be yeah. gaining more and more traction. And at least people are willing to listen. Yeah. And, and, and that I think it surprises them when you, st- even though we're in a hard market, still cyber is not just super, super, super expensive. It's not something that scares them when you tell them what the price is. Well, it's one of those things, too. You're seeing a lot, what we're seeing a lot of is a few years ago, you had people, oh, yeah, we have that on our BOP. Well, now you have. <laughs> right. And I would laugh in their face. Now you have customers realizing that that's nothing more than a Band-Aid. On a bullet wound. And they're much better off pursuing that standalone policy with a carrier. You know, it doesn't surprise me that Chubb and Hiscox and some of the bigger players are getting out of that space because with something as complex as cyber and, and there's so much unknown as to what can happen, that the bigger players are like, hey, this is we, we need a specialty carrier to do this, Right. right? Tell the story, I don't think you guys were involved in it, but I'm sure you know the story about, I guess it's been about six months ago, where there was the first confirmed death due to a cyber hacking incident. Do you remember that? Yes, yes. I believe that was at a German hospital. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bradley, but the story that I remember is that basically a ransomware attack hit this hospital and based on the fact that they couldn't access any of their systems, they could not admit patients. So there was some accident that occurred and they, they weren't able to get this uh, person that needed emergency care admitted 
to the hospital. And unfortunately, the, the person ended up uh, passing away. The, the reason why I also think that's important is because bodily injury is something that's being contemplated um, that's associated with packing attacks. It's actually something that we include on our form. So we haven't seen a ton of those, but we're kind of prepping for that as the internet and technology get more connected with healthcare and things that we use every day. I think a safe thing to say is if something's connected to the internet, it's got potential to be hacked. Mm-hmm. And then to, to your other point, Bradley, like when there's cyber insurance that's in a bot policy or in a GL policy or in an EO, ENO policy, people gotta be really careful about what's actually included because most of the time, it's going to exclude the majority of coverage for the hacking attacks that you're going to see like ransomware, like social engineering. It's really going to only, only include coverage for third-party liability around losing data. So data breaches, which are, uh, they, they definitely happen all the time, but um, it's not nearly as prevalent as, you know, the most common hacking attacks like ransomware and social engineering, which we call wire transfer fraud because the acronym is WTF. And that's what that's what we all be Why thinking if we transfer that? money to the wrong person. <laughs> Why not? No doubt. Hey, Pat, mm-hmm. do me a favor. Mm-hmm. Speak to the 250,000 insurance agents that are listening to this right now and talk to them about what Evolve is, what you guys do. Just give them a, give them a summary, a 30,000-foot view of what you guys do over at Evolve. I mean, I think they've got a pretty good idea, but, but deep dive into that for a minute. Yeah. So Evolve is a cyber insurance specialist market. So if there are um, brokers out there that are looking for more information on what cyber is or how they can get a cyber quote for just about every industry out there, that is literally all we do. When it comes to coverage, we're confident we have some of the most comprehensive coverage that currently exists. And we're happy to go into detail on not only our coverage, but any of the coverage floating around in the market. And not only is, is coverage a huge element of what we do, we also provide free cybersecurity services to all of our insureds to proactively keep hacking attacks from happening. But at the end of the day, I'd say that the biggest thing that I think we can be, I mean, beyond quality cyber coverage, we are highly focused on education. So educating our brokers on major exposures, how to, how to sell this stuff easier, how the dark web works, right? And how to show your client if their information's floating out there. And then also break down coverage and claims as well. So uh, we probably did, you know, over 2000 face-to-face educational interactions on like the state of cyber. And because like really making it a, a business owner understand that cyber is real is one of the hardest things. About 20% of global businesses buy cyber, some form of cyber insurance right now. Most businesses don't buy. And that educational element is huge and making sure they have the quality coverage is huge. So that's what we do when we work with insurance brokers across the U.S. Tell these guys, like, uh, we, you talked a brief moment about the dark web. And when we were up in Boston, you gave a talk to us via Zoom. And one of the things that was eye-opening to me is that you could take basically any company, and if you just had a little bit of information on them, like, you know, name, address, I can't remember what it was, but it was like two or three pieces of information on that company that Evolve could spit out a report that showed that that company, any company, what was on the dark web. And some of it I know sometimes is very surprising to to the owners of these companies. 
Talk just a second about that, because that was something yeah. that really piqued my interest. That is something that is so shocking, I think, for just even people that are within the cyber insurance world. But um, so the dark web is where sensitive information is bought and sold. And so what we've done is we've integrated our quote proposals with um, a dark web scan based on the insured's domain name. So basically we will um, run that scan and it'll show us if there's any information on anyone associated with that domain name. For example, EvolveMGA, if we looked up our EvolveMGA.com, you could see all the email addresses. For example, my email address, my brother's email address, every person in our company that has had their information hacked in a major data breach. What a lot of people don't understand is almost every major service that they're on, like LinkedIn, Facebook, you know, an account you use for working out that the average American has about 120 accounts online. And I can guarantee about 75% of those have had data breaches. So it's very likely that if you have not changed your password and you've been associated with one of those breaches, that could be floating out there and some hacker could be buying that and using it against you. So for all of our, our brokers out there on, on the first page of every one of our proposals, you're going to see that dark web scan. And I promise you, you'll be shocked to see the folks uh, that have their information on there. Does that affect the field, the, the underwriting on the policy? So if, if I, as an agent, submit a business for a quote and they have information on the dark web or they don't or, or versus a business that doesn't, is does that affect the rate at all? No, I would say because it's so rampant, we um, we plan for it. I think a huge element of that is personal exposure. Yeah. So for example, you know, Bradley, if you're using, um, you know, Bradley at portalinsurance.com, you know, and you're using that associated with, you know, maybe you have have a Wells Fargo account, right? That that's um, I think the major element we're just trying to create awareness there, but it's not going to necessarily have an impact. So it's almost pre-built into the rate, honestly. And, and, and the fact that you guys are discovering it, doesn't necessarily affect the policy because now that they know about it, they can actually change those passwords and get rid of that essentially. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That password management is something that everybody could be doing. Talk, talk about that. So talk about a, some password management tools that you're fond of. Cause we recently implemented one in our, a different one in our agency that it tells us the overall health and strength of the passwords in our agency at a 30,000 foot view, which is really cool. And it'll actually recommend like, hey, Joe needs to change his password for this website. Yep. My favorite one is LastPass. And I think, you know, I talk to friends and family members of mine that still use the same password for everything. So making sure that you are actively changing your password, making sure you're not using the same one, but also using, in my opinion, these password managers are great because they create these crazy long passwords and they allow you to update these passwords quickly and keep them in a secure location. So I'd highly recommend it because it's very user-friendly because a lot of times they're associated with like a Google Chrome app mm. or, um, you know, you could download it on the Apple store. Yeah. So if you need to get it on the fly, uh, you can do it. And there's um, different levels of verification and authentication. I also would say the other thing that everybody could be doing right now is making sure they have multi-factor authentication going on every major software system they're using, every major account that they're using. For example, I mentioned the bank account. You want to make sure you have a secondary check where you need to receive a text or a phone call 
something like that. We right. just set up multi-factor authentication for all of our emails at our office. It is a pain in the butt to set yeah. up, but once you have it set up, everything you got to. I told the team, I was like, we got to get to this week where everything's going to screw up every single time you try to log into it, but then everything's going to be fine and we'll be much more secure. Oh, it's it's a learning curve, and it's something I think that in the environment that we're in, it's just something that people got to get used to. Like every time we sign into Salesforce, whatever it is, literally, I just have my phone ready ready to go, you know, because I'm so used to checking in so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, Pat, I bet you it is a huge sales tool for the insurance agent having that dark web scan at the front of that proposal for you the feel bid. like the mafia. Yeah, well, like, here's this. Well, you for sure the, you want to buy cyber or not? Yeah, the, well, that's exactly right. The business, you know, you go take them the proposal to them and they're still kind of on the fence. Ah, we don't need cyber. And you slide that thing across the desk and they're like, oh, yeah, I think we'll be buying this. And then Thanks. Brenda gets fired because her emails yeah, for right. sale on the dark web. Right, right, talk, right. Talk about, so you're an agent listening to this. The average agent probably does, hasn't sold that many cyber policies. Uh, something you guys uh-huh. you guys are in this podcast are trying to fix. What are some coverages that the agents need to be aware of to make sure that their clients have? And furthermore, what are some coverages the agents need to make sure that their agency has on their own cyber policy? Absolutely. And I would just start off by, because people are like, what is cyber coverage? Like it, it, a lot of times they confuse it with techie and O or um, something else. But if I were to state what is cyber coverage in one sentence, it's coverage for the costs associated with hacking attacks, data breaches, and system failures. Those are the major triggers. When you're looking at the coverage that you want to make sure is included, cyber policies fall between third-party coverage and first-party coverage. So like I said, most policies have third-party coverage built in. You want to make sure you have quality first-party coverage. So that's coverage for costs like business interruption, dependent business interruption, right? Dependent business interruption is huge because that's if you're working with, let's just say you're using Salesforce and Salesforce goes down and you can't operate, right? Crime, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about ransomware and extortion, mm-hmm. um, social engineering. That's something you want to make sure if, if possible, you have an adequate limit there. Is that's that, something that, you know, you're seeing um, the major carriers of the world start to decrease. When, Do you have a question, Scott? Yeah. When we were in Boston, you threw up a slide and you said, here are the top two cyber things that could happen, the most likely to happen. And I want to say they were both first party mm-hmm. Uh, for, you know, first party claims. Is that correct? And I believe one of them That's was ran- one of them was ransomware. Number one's ransomware. Number two is wire transfer fraud, aka social engineering. So social engineering is is like when someone pretends. If I'm a hacker, I pretend to be your CFO and wait till you're on vacation. And I say, Hey, Scott, uh, just as an FYI, I know you're on vacation. If you could just approve this wire transfer, uh, we'll be good to go. And that that I mean. That happens to the biggest companies in the world, right. like, you know, Facebook and Apple have, have examples of that. So, and then I also would say big common misconception. Most people think small businesses don't need cyber coverage. It couldn't be more false. They are the lowest hanging fruit because they generally have no cybersecurity in place. They have not thought about it and um, they're far more likely to pay a ransom uh, just to get their services back online. So um, if any small to mid-sized businesses are, are um, 
some of the biggest targets that are out there. So I just want to make sure I clarify that misconception. Who are the most likely targets? Is it the ones I, you know, rolled off when we started? Is it hospitals, municipalities, school systems? Those seem to be the the ones you hear about the most in the media. I would think anybody that is taking customer information, banking information, those types of things mm-hmm. would be big, big targets for cyber hacking. Totally. I mean, there are varying degrees of exposure because information has different costs associated with it. So healthcare information, for example, it's more full record than just like your name and your email address. Credit card information has a different cost associated with it. Healthcare by far is the most expensive. But I mean, that's, that, that's really associated with data breaches, right? When we talk about ransomware, ransomware is industry agnostic, right? So it can literally apply to anyone that's using technology in any way, right? If you have an email address and you have a bank account, ransomware could seriously negatively impact you. You've actually seen like, you know, regional ransomware attacks. So, you know, they might target Huntsville, Alabama. And um, we literally had on, on the street we're on in San Rafael, we had like a portion of the street that were all attacked by the same ransomware variant. So it's a crazy thing because it's something that um, a, a hacker could mass send out. Just they want, they want to get as many people to click on this link in this email so they can send it to however many people they can get into an email. Right. That makes sense. So in the healthcare field, are they literally taking all the patient's files from that hospital? Are, are they taking possession of those files via getting into that hospital system? That's their goal. Their goal in ransomware attacks is data extraction and right. then extortion. So with the data extraction, that's a really interesting thing. We, so we actually have a cybersecurity tool called Black Fog. Most cybersecurity, if you think about your business like a castle, is like defending the perimeter, right? Like you got the archers, you got the moat, you know, you got the cavalry outside. This specific cybersecurity tool is actually would be like a guy sitting inside the castle that's just waiting for the attackers to come in and he's going to tag them on the way out and he's going to make sure they don't get out with as much as they were expecting to. Right. And then the, the rest of everything can focus internally just in case the perimeter miss what's going on. So, but the data extraction is the goal in every hacking attack. It's different. A lot of times based on how data is segregated and you know, if there's backups and who has access to what it'll change what a hacker can get access to. You're, you're a guy that does this every day. So where are most of the ransomware attacks originating from? What country are they originating from or multiple countries? The, the biggest name data breaches and hacking attacks and ransomware attacks that we're seeing right now have been coming out of Russia. So that's just been the most common place as of late. There was a great infographic. Uh, I forget what the website's called. I'll have to look it up for you guys. But they were showing all the hacking attacks that were happening across the globe uh, at the same time in which countries are coming from. And hacking attacks are coming from every country. Right. Right. Um, I think it's just the the ones that are in the news consistently are is China, North Korea, Russia, Ukraine. Uh, these are the kind of the countries that are thrown out. But a lot of times they're just different hacking groups. And a lot of times these hacking groups can be, you know, in multiple countries at the same time. Is it pretty easy to see where that origin where it's originating from? Is it pretty easy to identify that? It depends. Sometimes these hackers take credit for it. Okay. Right. 
But a lot of other times we don't have the ability to track down the, the perpetrator. It's, uh, I mean, two huge examples as of late were the Kaseya attack. I'm not sure if you guys heard about this one, but it was a, um, they had a $70 million ransom request. Hmm. Um, Scott, you mentioned that Colonial Pipeline. They're responsible for 45% of the East Coast fuel, right. which is crazy. Uh, and they ended up paying that $5 million ransom. But I mean, even in our own industry, like in the last few months, I'm not sure if these hacks popped up on your guys' radar, but uh, Arthur J. Gallagher mm-hmm. was hit and was down for multiple days. Um, AXA was hit. I don't know if you guys heard about this one. They were down. And then uh, CNA, according to the news, um, paid a $40 million ransom. So Ooh. it's rampant. And last but not least today, I want to I want you to tell us, tell these agents, give them three points of things they can do in their own agency not to have to deal with a ransomware situation. What are a couple of three things that each one of these agents can do with their data to make sure that it's secured? Um, I would say first, make sure you're dealing with an IT firm that is proactively including cybersecurity on your system. They're proactively backing up all of your uh, sensitive information in your client data because you don't want that lost. Second, I would say um, make sure you have a cyber insurance policy because there's a lot of agents we deal with that don't have a cyber insurance policy or they assume that it's picked up in a different product line. And then finally, I, I would put together a strategy of making sure that you are at least offering cyber coverage to all your clients so you, that you don't expose your own E&O because if you're not offering it, you're an agent and they get, someone gets hacked and they come back to you, there's potential to sue. So um, I, I would advise those three things. And when you go into, when you go into specifically protecting yourselves from a cybersecurity standpoint, using tools like intentional phishing tools, these are a lot of things we offer for free, but like basically you're sending out fake phishing links, mm-hmm. see who clicks on it and then putting them through training right? Because human error is the biggest issue that we see in the hacking world. We talked about multi-factor authentication, complex passwords, password managers, but making sure you have a data map of where your information is going, who has access to what. What are some um, of the companies the that assessment. do those fake phishing emails? Who is, who's someone you recommend that, that can do that? I know Evolve provides that to clients, but don't you guys provide that? We do. We do. We provide that totally free. Uh, the company that we use is called Cyber Risk Aware, very well versed in the space. And it's great. It's almost like you can play like a, a game in the office where like, you know, if the person clicks the link and gets hacked, then, you know, they got to buy lunch or a round of drinks for everyone, whoever it is. But, you know, when you have folks that are not really well versed in using technology or seeing these, these phishing links, um, that's all it takes. So um, Cyber Risk Aware is the number one. Honestly, if you just typed into Google, uh, intentional phishing tools, you're going to find a bunch of companies that'll do it. And if they get hit, if one of these agents' offices does get hit with a cyber attack of some kind, what is the first thing they need to do? Let, let's just assume that the agency has a cyber policy in place, okay? And their agency gets attacked mm-hmm. in some shape, form, or fashion. What's the first thing they need to do once that attack occurs? to kind of turn this thing around, go in the other direction? The first thing that anybody needs to do 
when they have a cyber policy and they, they, they even suspect that they've been hacked is to call the 24 seven hotline and the policy. Um, there's no deductible on that specific session to get advice because a lot of times who knows, maybe, maybe it's just, you know, an error or you're seeing something in your system. That's not actually a hacking attack. Even if you suspect it's uh, really advantageous to get our forensics team in there as quickly as possible to survey the situation, see what's going on, see if there's anything that needs to be patched, see if they can, you know, basically uh, maybe the, the hacker has access to, you know, one server, or one uh, computer system, and we can, we can keep them from getting access to the other 75% of whatever's going on. So that number is, is the best thing. I want to reiterate that because a lot of times I feel like people forget until the claim situation happens and then they're emailing whoever it is. And um, that's what we, we always want to make sure people do is call that number. And uh, I'd also say like, we're coming out with some cool stuff. We got a, um, a, an Evolve mobile app for our insureds that will essentially alert, alert our insureds if there's some specific hacking attack that's targeting their industry. Right. Um, if, they, if they want to ask an expert about a question beyond calling that number, I would recommend notifying your um, IT team as well. Would you immediately shut down all computers as well as far as just until? I would not. Okay. I wouldn't shut down the computers. I would, li- I would wait on the advice okay. from the forensics team. So, so here's my next question. My next last question. What if an agency gets a cyber attack done to them, but they don't have mm-hmm. a cyber policy? So they don't have a 24-7 number to call. What happens? Yeah. What happens then? Well, are you just screwed? <laughs> no, no. In that in that instance, or if you have an the other thing is great. If you have agents that are listening and an insured calls them and they haven't bought, that happens a lot of times. Right. We're happy to recommend like a forensics firm. It's just going to be way more expensive. We can get it. Ideally, they get on it pretty quick. But you know, just to throw out some examples, like Crypsis Group or Solus Security, which is based in Austin, Texas. Uh, those are forensic firms that, that help deal with incidents and are um, going to respond quickly. And that's pretty much what they would have to do in terms of getting somebody like that involved to kind of untangle this thing. Is that kind of what would happen? Oh, yeah, exactly. You, you got to have the experts come in, figure it out. Because a lot of times with ransomware, they've they've figured out what information is, is in there and they've, they may have released it on the web or they're threatening to release it. And that could result in a data breach. Which that's that's another huge benefit of the cyber policy with ransomware. When information is released, there's in different states, there's different regulations on how you have to deal with that personally identifiable information. If you have to send letters, you know, what you have to do and how much it's gonna cost is gonna vary, but it's gonna be significant. Yeah. So um yeah. What are you looking at to get a cyber forensics team out to your office? What what are we coming out of the gate? Are we a minimum ten thousand, probably fifteen, twenty thousand minimum? Yes, yeah, I'd say minimum minimum um and every hacking attack is different but minimum because i'd say it's uh at least 500 dollars probably per person for the forensics team to work around the clock and there's no guarantee and that's just forensics right right that doesn't include things like business interruption so you can calculate how much revenue you have coming in if you're down for a week you know and you can't operate you can't bring in new business you potentially lose clients and then being upset of not being able to access you. Um, you know, the other thing that goes along with that is reputational harm. Right. Right. So for, you know, the following six months, are people going to be like, I don't really trust them because 
they got hacked, you know, and they're on the news. And if there's a negative connotation with companies getting hacked, which is really interesting because, you know, a lot of it's a lot of times it's not necessarily the a lot of times that company's just a victim and they've done everything they can. You know, we say no, no cybersecurity is 100 percent effective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why cyber insurance is the safety net that everybody needs. So so Pat, I'm sorry, get a question well, before we jump off. Plug your podcast. Oh, by the way, besides yeah. besides just the podcast, while you're while you're talking about that, go ahead and tell these agents how they can get in touch with you to get registered not only to sell, you know, the the Evolve product, uh, but also if they need a, a cyber policy. And after they've listened to this, they're probably all going to call. I mean, maybe, a hell, of, maybe strange times we live in. But go ahead and talk about that too. Yeah, we're, we're happy to help. The best way to get in touch with us is to email underwriting at evolvemga.com. Um, you can go that route. You can go um, You can go to our contact us page. The other thing you can do is on our website, if you go to evolvemga.com, there's a get a quote section. And um, if you're not appointed, we'll get you appointed. We just want to make sure you have at least a million dollars of e coverage. But yeah, we and we work with retail insurance brokers. So I'm happy to help anyone with cyber, help anyone understand that that is literally what we do. And then in, in regards to the podcast, we set up the podcast because we wanted to see how we could add more value to our retail brokers that we work with. And uh, we're, we're trying to do that by bringing highly credible, highly networked, highly impactful individuals. So we, our mission is to bring the best of the best to the insurance industry. So um, for example, I know, uh, We've had um, like Inga Beal, the first female CEO of Lloyd's. We've had Mark Cohen, CEO of Hub. Uh, we have some sales trainers that are on there. Randy Schwantz, we're going to have the Sitkins group. But anyone that can provide value to the insurance world is who we're looking to have on. So that's the Evolved Broker Podcast, which is separate website. Evolved Broker Podcast. But I appreciate CEO you guys. CEO of Lloyd's, that's, that's impressive. In first female CEO of Lloyd's in... 330 years how difficult was the process of getting her on like that that had to take a couple months at least it took a it took a couple months but it was based on a cold email wow so uh, there's not a warm connection there and she could not have been more friendly and nice as well she's a a female version of a knight so she got like literally the, the you know the the crown gave her the they gave her damehood which is, you know, like Sir Richard Branson yeah. type thing, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. That is incredible. Pat, I appreciate you being on the show today, brother. You've provided a ton of great information for these agents. You know, we try our best. We have three legs of a stool. We bring on successful insurance agents. Mm-hmm. We bring on t- technology guys and motivational people as well. And uh, your great podcast guest because you're high energy, you've got lots of stories, you've got a compelling story with with the cyber world in the position that it's in right now. Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate you so much being on this podcast. I'm I'm going to go ahead and shut this thing down. Guys, if you hadn't talked about cyber before, now's probably the time to talk about it because it's not about three days that goes by that we don't hear about another giant company in the United States that is getting struck by some form of cyber attack. And what you're not hearing are all the smaller places around the U.S. that are getting hit with cyber attacks. 
you need to be discussing cyber or at least bringing it up to your clients and uh, call these guys. They do a great job. Call them if they can help you both with your policy or getting you registered to sell cyber through Evolve. And like I always say, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out into the big bad world and build relationships. Make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kids' college fund, and for your parents that are struggling out there today. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Pat. Pat, we love you too, brother. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.